Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we'd invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economic team. And good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, we have now had a whopping 273 million doses of vaccines administered across 108, 108 countries worldwide. Our region has two very big, previously postponed, global events coming up in the Olympic Games in July and Expo 2020 in October. Are they looking promising to go ahead, Matthew? Well, the uh, organisers of both events are pretty categorical that they want to go ahead. I think uh, there's more problems potentially with uh, the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, It comes down partly to the amount of, uh, of the population in those both those countries that are being vaccinated, and it's quite low in Japan. And when you look at polls amongst Japanese uh, population, that there's not a lot of support uh, for the Olympics going ahead if there are, it means a, a large number of international visitors coming into the uh, into the country. There's 15,000. Uh, Olympians alone that will uh, be entering. Now, they have to be put in a bubble. The carers of uh, all the support staff, I should say, of uh, the Olympics, they'll have to be vaccinated as well. My guess is it will go ahead, but probably with a very limited and and local um, uh, group of, of spectators. Yeah, very interesting. For those interested in the stats, globally, we're now hitting 6.4 million doses a day. Uh, last week, Matthew, you provided us the global GDP scorecard, summarising the performance of the major global economies over 2020. This week, Australia released its December quarter GDP to round off our 2020 performance. So how do we fare? Well, Craig, we, as in Australia, fared uh, pretty good. Uh, We had uh, growth continuing in a really rapid clip of just over 3% in a quarter. We, as in the royal we, Craig, uh, not so flash. Uh, We underpredicted the growth outcome by almost a a full percentage point. Well, Matthew, I think you're in pretty good company, though, because the consensus professional forecasts was weaker than the actual outcome. So, has the December quarter outturn improved our ranking in those global growth stakes? Yeah, it certainly has, Craig. Uh, we now sit just 1% uh, below our pre-COVID uh, GDP levels, and that pulls us ahead of the US, uh, with whom we were neck and neck prior to the release of uh, this uh, quarter's results. Uh, it also brings us in line with other countries in our region, like Japan and South Korea, and indeed, it brings us in line with our asia Pacific. Pacific region on average, which, as we said last week, is actually at the forefront of all the major uh, economies and and, uh, global economic regions. And for our listeners, you can almost picture Matthew being Jeremy Clarkson on top here and uh, putting that score up on the board. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the implications of Australia's latest GDP print. Matthew, when can we now expect to surpass our pre-COVID levels of GDP? Well, it's possible, Craig, that we've already sailed past that level that we had a year ago. But, And I think barring a major setback, it looks certain we'll re-establish pre-COVID levels of economic activity, at least in the first half of this year. And, you know, when you compare that to expectations a little while ago, uh, where we thought we'd have to wait until the second half of the year for that milestone to be re- reached, it, it does show that uh, the recovery is is progressing quite strongly. And in a good turn of events, Matthew, the consumer is still that prime driver of growth in Australia, notwithstanding the pullback in the JobKeeper and JobSeeker payments. 
So should we be surprised? Uh, in terms of the um, the ability of the consumer to cont continue spending as even as uh, JobKeeper and JobSeeker falls, I think uh, we shouldn't be all that surprised in essence. I mean, economists shouldn't. We, we know that households built a large pool of savings during the lockdown period in the, in the first half of the year. And, and we also know this is a really consistent result that we see uh, not just in Australia, but in the US and the UK, one of the most consistent behaviours in economics is that households will, will tend to run down savings to maintain consumption levels when their incomes fall, which is actually what happened in the fourth quarter. Um, similarly, on the flip side, they'll tend to build their savings up when their income rises. To, again, you know, they don't go, go out and spend all of their uh, additional income in consumption. And we saw that during the uh, uh, the, the main uh, part of COVID. So it, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, Craig. A natural stabiliser. Matthew, households, however, can't run down their savings forever, I would have thought, yet government income support is continuing to fade as JobKeeper, the JobSeeker supplement, and even HomeBuilder started to be phased out. What's your take there? Yes, well, whilst, you know, they, as you said, they can stabilise, households can stabilise consumption in the short term. They can't run down savings indefinitely. But I think um, the savings rate, even though it's coming down, it's still really high and households can afford uh, to continue to lower their, their savings rate um, uh, this quarter, the current quarter we're in to support spending and still have a savings rate that will be higher than uh, it was before COVID. But another feature of the data uh, was signs that demand in other sectors of the economy outside the household sector are also starting to rise. So we're seeing this pivot uh, or this change in composition of the drivers of growth of the economy. And we're seeing business and we saw business investment, housing construction or housing investment and exports all contributing to growth for the first time this year in the December quarter. And we're seeing that momentum that we saw in, in uh, the December quarter being carried into the new year with we saw retail sales rebounding uh, in January released uh, the data released just this week and Australia's international trade balance um, has uh, hit uh, a record high uh, in January as well so there's other positive news within the economy at the moment. You're listening to Craig Balanswala and QIST's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the economic implication around the globe's recovery from COVID-19. You're really starting to talk up this economy, Matthew, and how much of the outcome in the December quarter was simply down to the Victorian economy reopening after those September quarter lockdowns they went through? Yeah, well, um, Victoria certainly outperformed and it grew at a a really strong 7% quarter on quarter. But actually all the states and territories uh, registered positive growth over the quarter with the eastern seaboard states, our, our largest states, uh, New South Wales and Queensland growing at 3% for New South Wales, 2% for Queensland. And that's, you got to remember, that's with Brisbane undergoing a five-day lockdown. And, you know, we had all that uh, problem with Sydney's northern beaches as well. But more important is whether, again, that that momentum from December has carried on into the new year. And as I said, you know, at the moment, the signs look good and we expect uh, whilst Victoria will come back from that really strong 7% growth, uh, we, we believe that we're seeing signs that across all of the uh, states and territories, that momentum will continue on and continue to drive solid growth uh, in the first half of this year. 
And let's not forget our Adelaidean listeners, Matthew, they went through a three-day snap lockdown as well. <laughs> With the economy performing so well, is it possible to hold back the rise in interest rates um, and the surge in that Aussie dollar versus the US dollar and amongst other currencies that we're currently experiencing? Yeah, well, Craig, we, we've got to wait and see. And, you know, what we've got to see is how other countries' economies respond over the coming weeks. Um, it turns out, I think, if the if the outlook globally keeps pace with Australia's, while we can expect uh, the US dollar to weaken against the Australian dollar, it will most likely weaken against all currencies, not just our currency. Um, it, it, it turns out that the US dollar is sort of seen more or less as a, a, a sort of a, a safe haven asset. So when the outlook becomes more rosy, uh, investors tend to uh, to sell off the US dollar when the outlook um, becomes pessimistic you know investors are looking to the US as a safe haven for um, for their uh, for their investments and that tends to rally the uh, US dollar so but if if the whole of the economy the global economy is rallying then on a trade weighted basis the Aussie dollar should move sideways and in, in other words all of the currencies will move up and that outcome is relatively neutral for our economy because the, you know the, a strong dollar it really hurts our trade goods sector and if it's if it's not hurting the trade goods sector then it's not a problem if the Australian economy however begins to outperform all the terms of trade keep rising then the Australian dollar will appreciate against all currencies and the RBA I think will be forced to step up its bond buying program to flatten the yield curve and discourage currency traders from bidding the Australian dollar up even further as far as interest rates are concerned I think the RBA will have a tolerance for higher interest rates at the longer end of the curve as long as this doesn't result in pushing the currency higher. And all that without talking about the housing market locally, Matthew. You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresight shaping your investment outlook. So what are the key takeaways, Matthew, for our institutional investors? Well, well Craig, I think it, it's certainly be a, it's going to be a delicate time for investors over the coming six months. Um, a recovery in Australia that is too hot will see interest rates rise sharply, pushing the currency higher, and I think that will induce RBA intervention, and that's going to really wreak havoc with, for example, fixed income returns and, and unhedged international investments. But the hotter the growth recovery is and the stronger the RBA response is in terms of suppressing the rise in interest rates, then the better the hotter it's going to be for Australian domiciled risk assets and you can put in that basket equities, you can put in that basket infrastructure as well as uh, real estate that we're seeing in the resi market already. Matthew, it takes me back to a time where we went through the GFC and there was that lingering effect of the GFC on policy and decisions uh, for quite a period afterwards. Is COVID starting to cast a similar shadow in the minds and decision makers of our governments and central banks at the moment? Yeah, well, the big debate at the moment is is our policymakers uh, getting behind, you know, getting behind the curve in terms of the recovery. Is there too much fiscal stimulus being done, particularly in the US, with a 1.9 trillion dollar uh, American rescue plan potentially coming through this year? Uh, in a in globally, are central banks being behind the curve in terms of uh, providing too much liquidity and keeping interest rates down? We fully expect there to be a fairly sharp recovering growth terms out of uh, an episode like COVID. The question will be, 
um, from here going forward, can we, we can we uh, maintain that recovery? And what are the, the ongoing effects of COVID? We must remember, I think, Craig, uh, that we still nowhere near out of the woods in terms of the vac the um, the disease itself. Whilst it's great that we've got vaccines being rolled out, that's still not going to produce herd immunity probably until next year, and that's given that uh, the new variants, uh, the vaccines are, uh, are still potent against new variants. Um, we've still got unemployment rates at very high levels, a lot of excess capacity in labour markets globally. So we, we still, I think it's still right for uh, policymakers to be cautious. Matthew, it also continues to be a bit of a bull market for those economic insights. So thank you for your thoughts today. In summary, Australia's economy roared back to life in the fourth quarter of 2020, driven by the consumer and a successful transition from government stimulus programs. But with both employment and labour force participation rates rather starting to increase, high savings to draw upon and a booming housing market, will the RBA be forced to act sooner than later? Or will the desire for a competitive Australian dollar win out? I'm Craig Valenzuela for QIC's QPod. You can inspire our future topics by contacting us at qpod at qic.com. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.